How did he get his son up on top of the pyre? Get up there. Yeah, or I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> it probably went along the lines of get up there, there or, or I'll, I'll kill, kill you. you. Hey, son, uh, sit on top of this pyre real quickly for me. Okay, Dad. Dearly beloved, welcome to the Unblessed Podcast, where we inquire and exposit the mysteries of that ancient text, that good book itself, the Holy Bible. We are not theologians nor historians. We are but armchair philosophers who spent years in seminary or on a church staff and have since departed to make our own way. We invite you now to read, think, and laugh with us as we dive deep into the denominational doctrines of the divine in the Unblessed Podcast. Welcome to the Unblessed Podcast. <laughs> My name is Evan. And I'm Scott, and I don't have a Charlie horse anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we did we did have to uh, pause. <laughs> this is our second tape because Scott, in the middle of recording the first time, just like an old man <laughs> had to stop because he had a Charlie horse. Has anyone ever had a Charlie horse in your butt? I want you to... <laughs> Follow us on Instagram or something. Oh my gosh. It's one of those where have you ever done like where you're in the middle of the night, you like stretch your leg or something, and then you can't unstretch it and it just keeps going and you yeah. think you're gonna like blow your kneecap out or something. Yeah. It's one of those. Well, I was like, I think the... I can fly under the radar. <laughs> anyway, welcome, let's go. Welcome to the two old men podcast. <laughs> what an episode we have for you today. <laughs> two rusty 30-year-old men. Jeez. Uh well, we're Two ex language artists. Uh, that's yes. what we were gonna we were going with. Scott, did you ever study a uh, biblical language in uh, college and high school in your in your free time? My biblical language I studied was biblical Hebrew, uh, which is different than like the modern Hebrew. So we had only the homeschool kids in my class. <laughs> so I took it for four semesters at Purdue. And I was telling Evan earlier that I was just as good on the last day of class as I was on the first day of class. Shout out to my professor. Quick story about it was um, the final of the exam was you'd be handed a random passage and you had to parse it out and translate oh, it. No. And you'd have like two hours. Did he and give so you, you wouldn't like really. Genesis 1. <laughs> <laughs> I was just banking that I would just have it memorized and I would just be able to like write a vague thing down. You had to like parse out the verbs and all the nouns and stuff too in the paper as you were doing it. But if you knew the verse, you had an advantage because you could, you know, guess through things. I just remember there's this one kid who was, I don't want to say annoying, but he was just so, he was always on top of the class. Like he was just, Mr. Like, aren't we having a quiz today? Like that energy, you know, like, wait, you said that we were supposed to have a quiz today. And it's like, no, please shut up. <laughs> we're just trying to hang out for a little bit. Um, but the day they announced the the passage, they're like, all right, today's final exam. And the passage is, and it was like Genesis 18, something, something, something. And he just goes, yes. And he's like, it's, and he started laughing. And the professor was like, what's so funny? He's like, 
I literally read this this morning in Hebrew as my morning Bible study. And I was like, get out of here. So I did horrible, turned in my paper and I got the grade. I got a C plus on it, but I actually got an F on the paper itself. But he gave me a C plus because I tried hard and he saw that I tried. So that's how good I am at Hebrew. That's amazing. I love Evan, that. what's your biblical experience, biblical language? I took one semester of biblical he or uh, modern Hebrew. Sorry, um, and we were going to be uh, quizzed, and I said no because I did not do. I I was not getting it. Um, I think Mashmo means my name is, and that's all that I retained. Hey, for one week, that's pretty good. It's probably better than I did the whole semester. Yeah, so I can walk around Israel and be like, Mashmo Evan. That but, is probably a, a fairly biblical name, too. You can probably get by with I don't even know the origin of Evan. It's not. Is there an origin? Uh, okay. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's some magical origin to your very, name. It's, it's Welsh. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah. It's, it's like Ivan is what it is. Um, ah. But... <laughs> Uh, so I took that, but then I minored in Italian, um, and which is so fascinating to me. Yeah. But then I, uh, took one semester of Swahili and honestly probably learned more conversational Swahili than I learned conversational Italian. And maybe a lot has to do with the fact that Swahili is more of a conversational language. Um, but in the middle of me taking Swahili, our professor got deported. Ooh. Yeah, it was like we went like weeks without another professor, and finally we got one. Um, and then the oral exam was, or the the final exam was an oral exam. And I remember, uh, I can't remember how it actually is. I kind of want to look it up real quick and see. Sorry, in Swahili. Um. Well, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence <laughs> because it's something entirely different. Um, if you said like, uh, sorry, sorry was pole, but mm -hmm. can you speak slower? Pole pole, uh, which just means like slowly. Like that's just mm -hmm. kind of what, what it's saying. But like the understood meaning is, can you slow down? Yeah. Uh, pole means like, I'm sorry. Um, but there are different ways to say like, uh, I'm sorry and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, what I ended up doing was I, I was asking the teacher to say, that's what it was. I was asking the teacher to say, uh, to speak slowly. And all I said was pole, which means sorry. And then I remembered and I was like, oh, pole, 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 which would be pole, like pole, slowly. Pole, sorry. Pole. And she started laughing and I was like, <laughs> okay, good. slowly. Sorry. Slowly. Sorry. 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 Slowly. Sorry. Slowly. Sorry, slowly. <laughs> Oral exams are the most nerve-wracking thing. I I took French in high school, and I had to do one in my semester. And I remember I just stared at them. I had no idea how to talk back in French. It was like, je suis de school. I was just like, I, I'm going to just go. Is I'm going to say, je suis. I had Jean-Claude was my name in high school. Jean-Claude. <laughs> je suis Jean-Claude. And I'd be like, uh... I don't know. This is I, I also, was horrible at language. Horrible. I took another class. I took 1001 Arabian Nights, uh, which was a really good class. It was a literature class. But I was the only person who 
uh, in that Spoke class. Swahili. One. Oh. Um, so <laughs> take that. Uh, but two, I was the only person in that class that did not take Arabic with the teacher. She got a lot of people to take the class because um, she was kind of advertising it in her uh, Arabic class, but I just need another language class. Yeah. And so in the middle, there's this one girl who would just start speaking Arabic and asking her questions in Arabic. And I learned that la meant no, and nam meant do you understand? And so she would, at the end of her explanation, the professor at the end of the explanation to this uh, student that was speaking Arabic, who was not a native speaker of Arabic, by the way, like maybe one person in the class was, um, she, the girl would speak, ask a question in Arabic, and then the teacher would respond, and then at the end of it would be like, Nam? And I would go, La. And I'd be like, No, I don't understand. And she would be like, Oh, I'm sorry, Evan. Let me explain in English for you. Oh, I was my like, gosh. Thank you. I, I, like, I don't, I didn't take your class. I, I have to, I, I have to learn about this uh, in English. But, <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. Um, but well, I, I speaking, took, yeah, oh. I took a lot of different language classes and stuff like that. Speaking of letting women talk in public places, <laughs> we're going to talk about the Southern Baptist Convention allowing mm. women to be pastors, or should I say, not allowing women yeah, to be pastors? Uh, yeah, yeah, the Southern Baptist. So they, the Southern Baptist Convention, um, decided to uh, expel three churches from the Southern Baptist Convention, um, two of them for putting women in a position of leadership, um, specifically pastoral leadership. And one of those yeah. is uh, Rick Warren's church, Saddleback, Saddleback Church. I always want to call Mr. it Saddleback Mr. Hawaiian Ranch. shirt himself. Yep. Um, the, the dad of pastors. Um, Truly. But it like... Dumb to ask you what your thoughts are on women in leadership. <laughs> but like, what, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, this whole thing? Yeah. <laughs> what are my yeah. thoughts on women in leadership? <laughs> Scott, can women be pastors? <laughs> yeah. According to the Bible, no. Yeah. Here's the thing, and this is what's going to, I went, this is a warm take. Uh, if people want to follow the Bible, and be fundamentals about it, this is what you get. So mm. if you want to be part of church, this is what you sign up for. So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. I don't, no. churches are not the forward thinking, progressive outlets to move our society. It's it's not going to, when you have a text that has been beaten up and translated a thousand different times and is old <laughs> as hell, you're going to run into problems like this. So this is a, this is not a leadership of like, oh, the SBC needs a new president or like, oh, the you know SBC needs new path. It's like, no, this is just a, when you are a fundamentalist like the SBC, this is what you get. So I don't know why churches want to be a part of the SBC. I would just leave. Yeah. I would just say, good. I don't want to be part of this. So to saddle back and the other ones that are kicked out of the SBC, what basically what it means is that they will lose funding. Yeah, that's what people don't understand about this. It's not just a cool kids club. No one cares about being an SBC. What they want is you get these big checks. When I was working at a church, you would get 
money specifically from the Southern Baptist Convention, but you had to uphold certain values um, in order to get that money. So, and it's a big check. You could get like half your monthly budget from the SBC sometimes. So it was a lot. What's interesting now is, so you had the conservative resurgence in the 1990s uh, with uh, Southern Baptists, where you had Southern Baptists that the Southern Baptist Convention was going liberal, um, but they put into place a lot of people in positions of leadership that were a lot more conservative, like Al Mohler, uh, Pat Patterson, um, different guys like that. Um, I don't know if Danny Aiken was a part of that, but these are these are a lot of names that uh, are just being thrown out there, but they are big names in the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, and during that time, and Rick Warren pointed this out, he was like, no church was expelled for having women in leadership. And he's like, now, all of a sudden, they are. Yeah. Um, it's like a shakedown all of a sudden mm-hmm. of like, all right, we got to make sure, like one of these articles, I didn't realize they had a woman as a pastor for 30 something years yeah. in Kentucky, I believe. Uh, and that just went unnoticed, I guess, or unchecked. I'm sure it caused some uproar in the community, but yeah. we're just now deciding that they're no longer Southern Baptists. That That is the stupidest part to me. I, I kind of understand the big shock of because I, I believe rick warren's was it daughters or one of his daughters is a yeah. pastor is that what it is yeah uh was elected to be pastor i think just two years ago so it's fairly new for this church but to the to those that have passed for like 30 plus years serving their community i mean that's a whole generation going yeah. by and, and i'm just, no i'm no fan of rick warren based off of his uh views on other stuff um but he does make a fairly good point because his defense is what is a pastor sure yeah he's like what like does this mean that a woman cannot lead any sort of bible study because like if you're talking about church planting oh boy church planting starts at the bible study level so at what point does that bible study grow to where a man now has to take over I I could talk on this, Evan. You just hit a string. Yeah. <laughs> You're 100% right. Church plants start with in-house Bible studies, and there's women leading those all the time. Yep, because, and, spoiler yeah. alert, men don't often go to church. The people who are in church, the demographic that is in church more than anybody else is women. Well, and here's a... Another thing too is the way modern church is uh is very it's it's familiar territory to those that are in touch with their emotions and and uh I, I don't want to say like more feminine traits that traditionally feminine traits, but like women have an easier time gelling with church culture, I would say. This is you can call me out, but as far as like singing songs and like being vulnerable and like sharing your experiences and talking through your weeks. Like a lot of these, like you imagine these men as they go to these Bible studies and stuff, they are shut down and they're quiet. I've, I've seen this from experience myself and I've led Bible studies in college. And as a pastor, it was like, I could barely get men to be involved sometimes because they would just, but their wives would come and they would just love it and just eat it up. And so it seems silly that like the people who are best at leading these spaces are the ones we're going to kick out as southern it makes no sense to me yeah, it's like absolutely. women should be leading these because they're good at it <laughs> yeah, they're good at it they've been doing it for years like we had a i mean i for the longest time baptist or methodist had a youth minister that was a woman 
um, your children's ministry is often women. Like so, at yeah, what, we had like, children's ministry. I, I feel like this is just unnecessarily handcuffing yourself. Yes, you know, like you don't have, you, you don't have the pool to hire from, if you just restrict yourself to fifty percent of the people, and not even fifty percent, because remember we said women are primarily that's the primary demographic in your churches. If you yeah. look at the makeup of churches around America, it's it's women. And who do you want? Do would you rather have someone willing to be a pastor or someone you have to like, you know, prepare into that role? Yeah. That might that was something we ran to it when I was at a church was there was times where I felt like somebody would have been a great pastor one day, but I knew because they were a woman, I'm not even gonna pour into them because I'm it's just gonna end in disappointment on both parties. Right. And that's that sucks. It would just because of a couple verses that are taken um I don't even say out of context. I think it's just because those verses are in there and they kept them in there. Yeah. Uh it's caused that much havoc and until these churches decide to apply the Bible in a little more liberal way and a little bit more generous way, uh they're going to keep seeing this. Yeah. They're going to Yeah. Meanwhile, um how many divorced pastors and deacons do you have around oh, America? Right? Absolutely. It's, yeah, huge problem. It, yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah. There's a lot of leeway when it comes to what men have done uh, and their ability to be a pastor, their ability to be in leadership. But the sin of just being born a woman is something that's Ugh. unforgivable when it comes to bylaws. You can't get out of it. Oh, it's yeah. This whole SBC thing is not surprised. I, I had a couple of people like text me about it and they were like, did you see this? The SBC. And I was just like, of course they're doing this. Like what, what else did you really think they were going to vote on the opposite side of this? Like yeah. SBC, it sells another 500 years before they even look close to being a beacon of, uh, <laughs> you know, Moral high ground for anybody. Yeah. So at that point, we'll be having sex with robots. <laughs> at that point, the debate will be: Can robots be pastors or not? Can, can <laughs> Chat GPT be a pastor? <laughs> Chat GPT pastor. <laughs> That's what the real churches are are debating. SBC is so stuck on women. So, yeah. well, speaking of women, there are men, and speaking of men, we're going to yes, be talking about uh, the sacrifice of. Isaac. Amazing. Today. One uh, of the most sacred texts in all of religion. Yep. You're we'll, gonna hear it here first, folks. <laughs> we'll be in <laughs> Genesis 22 if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do. I do. Hear that paper moving around? You hear that uh, mouse clicking? <laughs> that, that mouse scrolling? Um, so Genesis 22, uh, starting in verse one. After these things. Uh, Meaning Genesis one 20 through twenty one. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry, that's so funny. After these things, the previous twenty one chapters. <laughs> sorry, keep going. God tested Abraham and said to him, "Abraham, here I am." He answered, "You take just over there. Take. <laughs> Where are you? Here I am, Marco, Paulo." Uh, take your son, he said, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of no, the No, we're not getting Jersey again. <laughs> I will tell you about. 
So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, or his ass in some translations. And because Scott, remember the Bible swears, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place uh, God had told him about. The third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over to there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. Bold of him to say we. And we'll be, <laughs> we will be back, won't we, Isaac? Won't we, Isaac? <laughs> sure will, Dad. <laughs> sure thing, Pops. What if your dad came to you? Because it's apparent that Abraham has not told Isaac about what's going oh, on. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, and we're going to get a little bit more into kind of the setting the stage here. Um, but what if, like, you heard from God, hey, take your kid and offer him as a burnt offering? I've thought about this all a lot. This is the prime example of you get a call or message from God and what do you do with your faith? And I have such a hard time imagining anybody today, if they heard someone go, well, like imagine if you're in a Bible study and someone's like, I God spoke to me this morning and he said, I should light my kid on fire in my backyard. I would go, excuse me. What? (laughs) Like that's not that far off. This is, no, this is this man's heard God speak to him and go, well, I know what I need to do. I need to sacrifice my son on a mountaintop. That's what I'm going to do. Yep. God told me to go to the top of Crown Hill Cemetery, the highest point in Indianapolis. <laughs> Eight feet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Eight feet above sea level. We're not good with elevation here. <laughs> <laughs> and light my son on fire. Um oh, yeah, yeah, is is bananas to me. This is always the one, and I don't. This is always the one where it's like, man, God sure is pro life, and I'm like, he really isn't. I, like, it's, <laughs> it's not. Oh boy, we we. I mean, he Abraham and Isaac really dodge a bullet in this verse, and it's like. This is the one when I was a Christian, I had uh, a much more fervent Christian. When I had a an atheist in uh, my class, he would bring this up all the time. Hmm. And he would be like, God asked Abraham to kill his own son. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, yeah, but he didn't. That's the only argument. <laughs> that was how it was always presented. was like, well, God saved him. He knew he wasn't actually going to pull through with it. But that to me is... I can understand why it explains it away for some people, but I, if I put myself in that, in the shoes of Isaac or Abraham, it's not great. Like I can't imagine if I heard that and then it's like, Oh, just kidding. Actually, you didn't have to do that. At no point does God inform Abraham or Isaac. Yeah. That there will be a scapegoat. No, it's, it's all Abraham is operating on the fact that he is doing, he's going to sacrifice his son. That is, he is following orders. And to me, it is so, like you said, if God is, you know, pro-life and he's all about the flourishing of humans, but then he's asking people to prove 
And that's how it always came down. I was like, well, he's just really trying to prove Abraham's faithfulness. He's not trying to kill people intentionally. He's trying to prove the faithfulness of his people. But aren't there other ways you can prove yeah. faithfulness? Aren't there other little just signs? I mean, there's been all us. We've been reading all other stories of like, okay, if the shirt's still wet by morning, then <laughs> we're good, you know? Or- <laughs> no, there's that one in Judges, and it's like, ah, oh, gee, you couldn't you couldn't have done that one. Yeah, just why not like, I don't know, rub a couple sticks together and see if lightning strikes right there or something. I, just something random. Like and this goes back to this goes back to what we've talked about before. These kinds of tests do not happen today. No, because it like wouldn't work. Yeah, there one you go to jail. <laughs> oh, that too. Yeah, of course, and jail. Yep. Uh, <laughs> two, it'd be insane. Like you don't yeah. go to any church. Uh, today and somebody being asked to sacrifice the son in the name of god never that that has never happened. well it's an old testament thing that's that's the difference here. oh I mean, so god was old testament so, country oh so god changes god was different no he doesn't change he's the same he still likes this but it's just okay so different. at what point in the new testament does he ask someone to offer their son well he does his own son it's christ is the offering okay it's, cool christ is like a god <laughs> well and honestly that's what ex- was explained was like oh this is a kind of like foreshadowing of like yeah god sending his own son to die for us but the thing with jesus is that he knew his plan the whole time yeah according to at least how paul interpreted it and yeah. some of the, but like jesus if you're a knew trinitarian in any way you know that J- you jesus knew even at such a young age um yeah according to the scripture, that he was eventually going to be sacrificed. He knew that his time was going to be cut short. Isaac. No idea. Had no idea. Uh, which gets us to the next verse where he's like, then yes. Isaac spoke to his father, Abraham, and said, my father. And he replied, here I am, my son. And Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? <laughs> Jeez. And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. La, 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 la. La, la. That, I'm noticing we don't have a lamb. This wood's awful heavy and dry. <laughs> it's on my back. Why do my clothes smell like lighter fluid? <laughs> God. Oh, I. Why, why did you make me take a bath in gasoline? Gosh, this is so it's one of those like sad, somber, worshipful moments in the Bible. <laughs> when horrible. they arrived at the place that God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood, and he bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. At this point, do you think Isaac thinks that things might be going downhill for him? <laughs> I want to know how fast he pulled the knife out. Was it like... Maybe I'll think about it. Oh, there's a rain cloud coming. Maybe we'll wait on that first. Oh, just, nope, uh, that's nope, just the cloud. That's, okay. Oh, there's a bird over there. Nope, okay. just the bird. <laughs> Waiting on any sign to stop this. Any sign whatsoever. Oh, what was that? Oh, just someone stepped on a twig. Okay, we'll keep going. Gonna pull this knife up. How did he get his son up on top of the pyre? Get up there. Yeah, or I'll kill there. you. <laughs> It probably went along the lines of get up there, there or, or I'll, I'll kill, kill you. you. Hey, son, uh, sit on top of this pyre real quickly for me. Okay, Dad. All right, now take this rope. Sure. 
tie it on the other end, okay. and I'll tie it on this end. Nope, Control's too snug, can't move. I just want you to test out and see if this pyre is good for a sacrifice. I yeah. just want you, like, you're roughly the size of a small lamb. <laughs> and, let's just see. Yep, and, looks know, like the fire is really roaring below you. So yeah, that it looks, looks like good. it's doing well. So, like, let's, so let's take out this knife. Ha-ha, <laughs> stabby, stabby, stabby. Oh, my god! Almost gotcha. <laughs> Almost gotcha. Oh, yeah, they. I don't think they have any idea. I'm trying to remember at if there no point, is a hint. At no point. At, at, no, at point. no point is there supposed to be like a a provision. Like uh, that's the whole idea the is that Abraham has faith that God will provide a lamb. I think that's a little bit mean to Isaac. Isn't that an interesting? I've just thought about that. So God gives a command to Abraham that he finds immoral, I would say. Like, I shouldn't kill my son, my only son that I have. So this is immoral. I'm hoping God has a better plan down the road. So to me, Abraham is, in a strange way, more just in this situation because he's waiting on the right thing to happen down the road versus just doing the immoral thing right away. What if he did it too quick? (laughs) (laughs) Ha <laughs> <laughs> And the angel's like, Abraham. Oh, oh no! Had to, like tie his shoes outside the oh no! Door oh no! You, I, I had a lamb right here. You boy, you really went for that. Ooh, you were you, really faithful. You were too faithful. You, hey, can't man. You can call Abraham anything. Can't call him unfaithful. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, it kind of feels like that. Because what if he? Would he have been punished if he did do it? I think that's my question is like, if God, what if he did act too fast? Like, okay, I'm just going to run. He just, sprints. what if he hated his son and he was like, you need me to do what now? Boy, I fucked up the that whore a second, like a few like chapters earlier and Ishmael was better. But like, damn. It's just like running up the mountain. <laughs> I, I just like, I think with this, like you're absolutely right. Does he get punished for being faith? Is this a question of Abraham having faith in God's commands, or Abraham having faith that God will reverse His command, or will God act according to His character? Because it's almost like this. I Twelve think verses Abraham- earlier, he killed everyone. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> that's the thing is, this is kind of God's character. It's just to like willy nilly kill people. So I'm so curious, like if he's thinking God's going to change his mind, which happens, mm-hmm. uh, or if he's just looking for like another. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's so strange to me because I, I've never thought about the in the case of if he just went through with it, would he have been story wise? Job is a contemporary of Abraham. And was probably also getting severely tested around this time. True. If you believe that Job is a real person, right? Just like the tooth fairy. Yeah, they're both real. They're both real. Um, okay, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, "Abraham, Abraham!" And he replied, "Here I am." And he said, "Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him." Stop! 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 Put that down. Stop. Now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. 
So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. So today it is so today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Amazing. I will note that at no point does the angel say sacrifice the ram. So he's just like, here's a ram. <laughs> anyway, keep going. Anyway. <laughs> It's just like, don't lay a hand on your side. You, you did good. Here's a ram you can have as a pet, or you can kill it. Or you can kill it. Your or choice. you can sacrifice it. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, this story just keeps just stays weird. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn this is the Lord's declaration. Because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore, your offspring will possess the gates of their enemies and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. Abraham yeah. went back to his young men and they got up. <laughs> Abraham and his young men are like, so how'd the sacrifice go? <laughs> <laughs> I know he went back. up there without a lamb. That's that was that was kind of wild. We all got um, a little worried down here. Yeah, was, we, we were kind of hedging our bets down here, if we're being honest, but looks like it went okay. I'm fascinated by, so verse 18, because you have obeyed my voice. I think this is a, a bigger topic in Christianity of wh- what is the, where's the stopping point with faithfulness? Like we were touching on earlier, but I think about, People will say, well, I'm just doing this because I want to be faithful. I'm, you know, God told me to do this. And uh, does that just always trump anything else? Like, does it, does it, is it supposed to go above like logic and reasoning against compassion? Cause I think about what if I got a call that said, like, you need to sacrifice your wife in order to get the, you know, the dreams and the blessings that you've always wanted. Because essentially that's what they're saying here is like, okay, Abraham, because you were willing to sacrifice this, now you get all these blessings. And I think about like, I wouldn't want to be willing to kill somebody I love for blessings yeah. and endless treasures. You know, it's like, I could not imagine if someone, some wild scenario, if someone just zoomed out of heaven and said, all right, you kill Holly and you'll get everything you've ever wanted. I would go, no, like, that's yeah. not how this works. That's, That's no how. sacrifice. That's my wife. <laughs> I would just get zapped. <laughs> no, but you're you're right. Like this this is a wild thing to for the god of the universe to ask of anybody. Yeah. Um I think that that's where I land on this is if you and and it we kind of talked about it a little bit like god is the same yesterday today and tomorrow hmm. kind of not no like if the if the two things cannot be true here of the bible is unalterably true that everything in the bible every single story is true that genesis is history and that god is the same yesterday today and forever that you can say like well he didn't kill Isaac, the whole point of this was a test of his faith. I, I, I mean, th- it's sure. Um, I don't think anybody would be willing, though, to say to have God ask them of, of this today. I yeah. cannot imagine in any church 
across America for someone to be willing. I'm not even like child sacrifice, not even that extreme. Yeah. I cannot imagine someone just getting a call from God, period, of like, I need to leave. Like, Jesus calls in the New Testament that you have to hate your own father and mother and family to follow him. And I think about that is adjacent to this story in some capacity because Abraham's being called to kill, hate his own family to follow God. And Jesus says the same thing. Mm-hmm. So in that case, they're consistent, but uh, hating your mom and dad is a lot different than killing them. So that's where I feel like there is differences between Old hate, Testament and New Testament. Hate, but honor. Honor your father and mother, but hate them but hate in them. a biblical way. Which every teenager <laughs> does really well. Yeah. That's an easy command to follow from Jesus. Oh, man. Yeah, this is, it's just such a wild story. It's a little disturbing. Yeah. It's a little disturbing. And again, it goes back to the idea of, it goes back to the question of, is this a test of faith that God would provide an alternative? Or is this a test of faith that God would bless Abraham if he sacrificed his son? Yeah, it. I think this story, uh, when it's presented in just a an archetype of humans following God's calling, and it's just a allegory, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with hero stories, and we're just talking about you have to be willing to lay down everything to follow God's plan. Sure, but where it gets dicey is that when we start making these historical accounts, and you really think about God telling us an individual to kill their own son that just screams fanaticism and uh being delusional <laughs> so I, remember, I just cannot imagine i remember doing a pastor that. did in a, a great pastor illusion about faith um and uh, or illustration about faith and that he was just like well i go to the bank and i don't see the money but when I withdraw cash, mm. I'm having faith that they have that money there. And I'm like, I remember thinking as a kid, and I was like, okay, but you can ask them how much money you have. <laughs> they can show you evidence of your money. Yeah, they're not there. sitting there and being like, uh-uh, no, sir, no, sir, you tell. do not get to, I will never tell you how much money you have in the bank. No, that's absolutely right. something you can do. And I think like, Again, we did Gideon a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, and in that instance, Gideon was like, "All right, I'm gonna. This jacket's gonna go on the ground. If it's wet, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to you." <laughs> and then even the next day, he was like, "All right, so I'm gonna do the opposite. Just uh, I've got, I've got one experiment. I'm a good scientist. I'm gonna do two. <laughs> um, yeah. But in this case, Abraham's just like, "All right, yep, Isaac, come on, we're going for a trip." Yeah, it's. I think what's disturbing for me is blind faith like this, and it's not being checked. I think, to me, it makes sense that you have things check and balance your faith. It's not just, well, God told me to do this. And I think that's how the church operates now. Even when I was um, in pastoral ministry, it was like, you have a church that is kind of works like the, you know, the house and like the Senate in some ways. It's like you have like these branches of like, you, you don't just listen to a pastor. He also has like the church that should be backing him up and affirming him as a leader. So to me, 
one person hearing the voice of God doesn't suffice for me. Like if it's truly God and there's believers that are all believing the same God, they should all have resonate with the same message, you know, be like, yeah, this makes sense to us. And I think that's how the church operates today of kind of a collective belief. So when you get these, like, I think that's how cults and other things get started is that one person has unabashed power and influence and everyone doesn't, there's no checks there. Everyone just follows along and things yeah. get scary. <laughs> so you get a Duggar family because of that. <laughs> so Yeah, you do. Well, uh, I know we've been kind of dancing around our final thoughts, but what is your final thought on Genesis 22, this passage? I, I, I just, I think it's when you approach it from an instance of this is a question of faith on Abraham's part, you have to ask yourself, faith in what? Mm. Hmm. Faith in God to do what? Provide or bless? And in instance, at the end, he does both. But what did Abraham believe was going to happen? Because that's mm-hmm. still important. Did Abraham, because Abraham says, we'll come back down. Yeah. I will say that. I think Abraham does believe that God will provide the sacrifice. Um. And so I think Abraham believes in the character of God that would he would not kill his own son. He would mm-hmm. not you know force him to kill his own son. But that is allowing a lot up to two variables. One, that the angel would get there in time. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't you know? trip over his sneakers on the way out. Oh. Um but two, that God does indeed provide the alternative um if god does not provide the alternative then abraham kills his son and kills a son that god had promised him right yeah this this is like this just seems i don't know why this story is here and we i don't know why this story is here because if Abraham doesn't, if Abraham says no, what happens? He moves on to the next nation, uh, Babraham, and starting <laughs> the bees. <laughs> Babraham Lincoln. Um, but uh, yeah. how, like, what, what happens if Abraham's just like, nope, don't want to? Like, is it a Jonah situation where God's just like swallows him up in like a dune sea worm instead? Like <laughs> he has to live in that for like, yeah, know, a good 30 day or 40 days. Like it, it's, it, it seems like God was going to bless Abraham anyway. Yeah. It gets into a, a, a tangled web of, did God know he would say yes and follow through? And that's why he picked him. And, um, but we, we operate on the fact that Abraham, which is kind of blindly, yeah. Um, uh, chosen, which get, he, gets into this question of Calvinism. Uh, so for those oh boy, who are yeah. not aware, like Calvinism is the belief that everything, there's degrees of it for sure, there's degrees of Calvinism, but at the very least, the idea that you have people who are predestined for salvation. Yeah. Uh, man, you know, uh, at the beginning, God knew everything that was going to happen, and that is a tenet of it, and it's a tenet of things beyond Calvinism as well. But it's the idea of, God knows everything that is going to happen or um, 
and has also preordained right at least certain things to happen um but if god at the very least knows what is going to happen with abraham and isaac why ask <laughs> oh i know calvinism falls through so quickly because yeah there's just so many verses of god changing his mind or a choice being involved that wouldn't make sense if someone knew the outcome so or in this instance yeah. like if he knew that abraham would do this why ask him in the first place yeah it that whole rabbit hole of god knowing everything just doesn't frankly it just doesn't make sense to me it the way the Bible's presented and as you read through it, it's like, this doesn't line up with somebody knowing exactly how everything's going to go down. But that's interesting. Um, that what question you, of, yeah. Oh yeah. Just, I just, I love that question of like, what if he didn't do it? If he yeah. didn't uh, do the sacrifice, but my, I was thinking just now, my final thought is the, I interpret the story as a kid as having earnest and authentic faith. And that God knows the difference between real faith and just like showy faith. And it kind of scared me because I thought uh, in my brain, like Abraham had to sell that he was going to kill his son. You couldn't just be fake about it. Like you had to go all the way up to the last second where the knife is almost hitting his son. And I thought about that a lot of like, okay, so Abraham... Was he like scared the whole time? Like, was he just like, oh, I don't want to do this? Or did, was he trying to show like, you know what? I'm going to be confident in killing my son because I know God's going to provide a sacrifice in the end. I ain't no pussy. Yeah. <laughs> I I ain't no, ain't no coward. Ain't no yellow belly coward. Uh, I ain't raising no wimp. I didn't know hear no bell. <laughs> <laughs> but... I, I think about the earnest faith of, so God like knows your real intentions. And this, this is where this story gets confusing for me because I, my real intention, if someone told me to kill my son would be, I don't want to do this. But if God's asking me to do it, I'm supposed to want to do that. Yeah. So there's already a conflict of, do I love my family or do I love God? And is one more moral than the other? And I, this story just doesn't sit well with me now as I, as I read it over it again. Just seems like, uh, it, it seems just as crazy if someone was just to say, I'm going to go out back and kill my kids. It just feels wrong and it feels, uh, I, I feel like people sanitize it in church and they make it yes. seem like it's not that horrific and, and terrifying. And to me, it, it's a really dramatic and kind of horrifying story, but we just are like, here in Sunday school, like, la, 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 like, it's all about faith and just, you know, God will provide. So that's my, my final soapbox moment on this one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good with that. Nice. <laughs> Let's shut that one. <laughs> Let's, we're, we're closing the book on this one. Yeah. We've solved it. <laughs> Mystery solved. What's going on in your world, Evan? What's, give us a quick one, two. What's Evan been consuming? The season three of the righteous gemstones premieres tonight oh yes i'm excited so i'll be on um if you haven't watched it watch it <laughs> if you have watched it keep watching it if you're like i don't want there was like a uh, south carolina senator that was just like are you aware that this show that makes fun of 
Christians gets is filmed here, and this one guy was like, "I haven't watched it. I don't know. Honestly, I it's sure. I don't care. Like I just sure. It's fine. Like I, I people can film whatever they want. Get out of so, here. Like why? Why does we're getting into another episode now? Uh-oh. But like why? Why does? Why does everything have to protect what you believe? I don't know. It's, I don't understand, like, the grandstanding of, like, I don't stand for this. Like, then just don't watch it. Yeah. It's not for you, then. Just yeah. who cares? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. Oh, I'm what, excited for that. Yeah, what's going on in uh, the world of Scott Eustace Moran? That's right. Scott Eustace Moran. Now everyone has my email address scott (laughs) scott ellen degeneres moran (laughs) that's my bank account password um well last night i saw weezer and they were great saw them here in indy something 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 just like buddy holly (laughs) (laughs) Holly. island Uh, in the sun (laughs) in an island in the sun (laughs) It was great. Um, Beverly was a- Hills. <laughs> there was one part where I started sweating for the sound people because just their ear- in-ear monitors were working, but nothing was coming out the main speakers. So it was just Weezer up there for half a song. It was actually during Island in the Sun, and they were having the time of their lives. <laughs> and everybody <laughs> on the crowd was like, <laughs> we can't hear you, like waving, like stop. And I saw this like, crew like run by us like to run up to the stage but it's so funny to see them like so happy like with their guitars oh, not, a, not a care oh, in the world and everyone's oh, just oh, like oh, <laughs> we can't hear you so otherwise great concert uh the wonder road fe- wonder road fest in indy was weezer more like geezer jeez <sighs> i mean honestly, yeah we're all getting old i looked around the crowd and i was like I'm in the we're, median. We're all sitting down <laughs> on blankies. <laughs> My, I have comfort insoles on. <laughs> I've reapplied sun lotion. <laughs> well, that sounds really fun. That sounds really fun. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. You can follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Unblessed Pod and YouTube as well. Um, that is where all of our uh, content lives. Um and you can also email us at unblessedpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we really appreciate hearing from folks about what they want to hear, what they want to hear us do. Um, but without further ado, my name is Evan. And I'm Scott. And don't forget to close that Bible. Bye.